Exploring the Word of God together allows us to share in the joy that comes from discovering the words of hope and salvation which overflow from our Bibles. Upper Room Media presents to you this educational, enlightening and entertaining Bible study. Prepare to be transformed. Father and Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Um, thank you, Tilly, for organising tonight and bearing with me and rescheduling. Um, I really appreciate it. Um, this is uh, really interesting because I actually didn't know that there was a Monday night Bible study. Um, it's really nice to see all the young youth. I see a couple of my old Sunday school girls from when they were in year five and six. <laughs> um, but every time I'm asked to do a Bible study or a Sunday school lesson or anything, um, I always find that God is trying to give me uh, a teachable moment. And when Tilly told me it was chapter 46, um, I the, the day that she sent it to me, I thought, I'll just quickly skim through what's chapter 46 in Genesis. And I read it once and I was like, Ooh, I don't know what I would say about all of that. And then I left it for a quiet moment. And then when I went through it again, I realized that there's three main themes that... Um, if you tune out for the rest of it, just remember these three main themes. So the first one is gratitude and humility during hardship. The second one is getting rid of the noise to hear God's voice. And the third one is trusting in God's will because only he knows the greater plan. So the first time I read it, I think I was consumed by the middle part of the chapter when they talk about everyone's sons and so Jacob's sons and all the children that they have and I thought oh that's such a big part of the chapter and then when I started going through it I got so much from verses 1, 2 and 3 and I couldn't believe it so if we open to chapter 46 and I don't know if you guys have it open in front of you or on your phones um, but I'll just give you a bit of context um, just to kind of set the scene so we know that Jacob has suffered a lot because he's lost his son. And I know none of you, I don't think any of you have had children, but I couldn't imagine grieving over a lost, a lost son. And he, he didn't have his son for so long. And then all of a sudden, he's just found out that his son's actually alive. Um, but he's in the midst of a famine. So that's something else that he's suffering through as well. And he has all these people in his family that, he, that would look up to him. And so he has to leave his home. So he's He's spent years grieving over his son. He's just found out he's alive. He's 130 years old and he has to leave his home. So that to me equals hardship. So it would be a lot for anyone to handle. So, and so much would be going through our minds if we were going through that, that instability, that sense of grieving, that confusion and loss, um, all mixed in with bitter happiness. Um, but Jacob trusted in God. So the chapter's very first verse um, is, So Israel, which is Jacob, took his journey with all that he had and came to Bathsheba and offered sacrifices to the God of his father Isaac. So that in itself. So if you take the context in mind, keep it in mind and understand the first thing he went and did was offer a sacrifice. So um, Bathsheba was where he grew up. Um, with his father, so this was uh, this obviously had played had a lot of sentiment for him, um, and he went and he offered sacrifices. So, knowing the context is his 
he's going through hardship and the first thing he does is he offers sacrifice. So that's right off the bat, the beginning of the chapter. So it makes me think about our own lives and how we react to hardship. Um, I think if I looked around me and myself included and all my family and friends, the way we react to hardship is we call. We call our friends, we call our family and we vent. Um, some people choose not to do that and they drown themselves in social media. So it's easier to just skim through social media and look at other people's lives um, rather than you know focus on our own life. And some people will do other things. Some people drown themselves in Netflix. I know sometimes if I've had a really hard day, I cannot wait for everyone in the house to go to sleep so I can just watch TV and just forget everything that we're going through and just kind of live through that. Um, but that's not how he reacted to hardship. He, his first instinct was sacrifice. Um, and then if we go to verse 2, he says, Then God spoke to Israel in the visions of the night and said, Jacob, Jacob. And he said, Here I am. So right off the bat, the second, the second verse in itself is something that we can learn from, with, uh, from Jacob. So Jacob is gracious to God and that invites God into his heart and that means he can hear when God is talking to him. So I always think about the times in our lives when there's so much noise around us. We have social events, there's weddings, there's engagements, there's, I don't know, you guys would have uni events. There's so many things going on. And then with social media as well, sorry. With social media as well, it, it really fills all of us. Um, and there's so much noise around us that we have to wonder whether is God not speaking to us or are we not hearing him? So the second, um, the second theme is drowning out the noise and hearing God's voice. And we have to, we have to be able to hear when he calls us. Um, so are, are we too entrenched in this world that the noise of the world just consumes us so much that we can't even stand to be alone for and, and with quiet thoughts just for a few minutes? I know as soon as we get in the car, we turn on our music or podcasts or even upper room media, whatever it is. Um, as soon as we get into the house, TV goes on. Um, we, we're never really in that quiet space. But if we look at Jacob, he was in the middle of the night and God speaks to him, he calls him, and he says, here I am. So it's something that we have to, we have to remember that in order to hear God's voice, I know a lot of times, I know whenever I, I watch Father Anthony Messiah, for example, and he says one of the most common questions is, how do I know God's will? How do I hear God's voice? How do I know I'm making the right decision? And it's all linked to, well, can we hear God's voice? Because we know that God wants to talk to us. It's just whether we're ready to be able to, to listen to him. And do we deplete ourselves enough of the world and sacrifice like Jacob sacrificed to be able to hear it? I know when I was going through my HSC, I know, I don't, I'm pretty sure most of you um, have done this with a bunia, but he tells you to do a contract. And basically our contract in year 11 and 12 was uh, no movies, no TV, no music, no social events, no talking on the phone. Like you, you literally just deplete yourself of everything of the world. And he says to me, you know, Abuna says, and then you'll get what you want at the end. And I think people 
conceive this in a different way. There's this misconception that you're telling God that I'm going to give all this up, but you have to give me uh, a good mark in return. But really what it does is it helps you. It's a pivotal time in your life where it helps you. You're depleting yourself of everything and you actually end up having this really strong relationship with God. And I'm sure most of you uh, have been through this quite recently and it's, it's something that I would aspire to go back to that year, not go through HC again, that was the worst thing ever, but go, going back to it where you, you drop everything and you have him in your heart and by the end of the year, you forget that you ever doubted God. So we'll just go through um, to, we'll go to uh, verse 3. So he said, I am God, the God of your father. Do not fear to go down to Egypt for I will make of you a great nation there. So he's talking to him and he says to him, don't worry, I've got this. Um, God gives him that confidence that, that we want. We want that confidence when we make a decision. We want to hear God's voice, voice saying, you've made the right decision, keep going, I've got you. Um, and we know that in Jacob's life, at, at pivotal moments in his life, God was there and spoke to him and he heard him. So we know when his brother was out to hurt him for revenge, he was there, God met him. Um, and when he left home and when he clashed with his father-in-law, there were all these times where God was with him, he speaks to him, um, and he has that relationship, that open relationship with God. And Jacob listens. And the first thing I thought was, wow, imagine missing that message. So just imagine for a second that God called Jacob um, when he was meant to, you know, on his way to Egypt and Jacob didn't hear him. Imagine having to pick up everything, all your family, all your possessions and leave and be wondering, oh, should I really be doing this? Should I not? He's completely migrating everyone to somewhere very far away. And now, because he's depleted himself of everything around him and he listens and he has this close relationship with God, he has no doubts. He's saying, yep, perfect. God has literally said to him, don't worry. Don't be afraid. This is where you're meant to be. Um, and then he further he goes on to say, he'll surely bring them back again. Now, <laughs> this is interesting because um, I feel like God misses out some minor details like it's going to take many, many years <laughs> um, for all of them to come back again. Um, but he takes all his possessions, his family on this trek. Um, and then from verse 8 to 25, it goes through all his family. And I think there was about 66 of them who traveled with him to Egypt. And then in verse 29, and I'll just read it. It's a few verses, so just bear with me. Um, it's back to Joseph in Egypt. Um, so Joseph made ready his chariot and went up to Goshen to meet his father Israel, Jacob. And he presented himself to him and fell on his neck and wept on his neck a good while. And Israel said to Joseph, Now let me die, since I have seen your face, because you are still alive. Then Joseph said to his brothers and his father's household, I will go up and tell Pharaoh and say to him, My brothers and those of my father's house who are in the land of Canaan, who come to me, and then the men are shepherds, for their occupation has been to feed livestock, and they have brought their flocks, their herds, and all that they have, so shall it be. 
when Pharaoh calls you and says, what is your occupation, that you shall say your servant's occupation has been with livestock from our youth even till now, both we and also our fathers, that you may dwell in the land of Goshen, for every shepherd is an abomination to the Egyptians. So there's actually two things here, um, which I've mixed up in my notes, so I'm just going to go on the fly. (laughs) Um, The first thing is, Jacob, God gave Jacob the desire of his heart. He had obviously told God that he just wants to see his son one more time because he says when he sees him, now that I've seen your face, I'm ready. I'm ready, God, like you can take me. My life can be over. Um, And God has given him the desire of his heart. So that's something else we have to remember when we do sacrifice and we're very honest in our relationship with God. God gives us the desires of our heart. And our desire is more well aligned to what God actually has in store for us and his will. Um, Because I always struggled with this. I'm like, what if my desire is something outrageous? Um, But the closer we are to God, the closer, the, the more time we spend with him, the more well aligned we are. Just like two best friends hanging out together a lot, all day, every day. They just become very, very similar in their thought process. Um, The other thing that really got me, and I had to do a lot of research around this one. So when Jacob, sorry, when um, Joseph's brothers get to Joseph and he speaks to him, Joseph says to them, when you see Pharaoh, tell Pharaoh that your occupation is you're a shepherd. You're all shepherds. But they are an abomination to the Egyptians. The Egyptians detest shepherds so I really struggled with this why would he tell his brothers to tell the pharaoh you're going to meet pharaoh and when he asks what your occupation is tell him that you're shepherds it really got me but it's really interesting here because um, he's telling them basically something where pharaoh there's a big chance pharaoh is not going to like them so just to put it in context let's just say that um Tilly and I are sisters and I say Tilly I'm going to get you to meet my boss the CEO tomorrow when you speak to the the CEO I'm telling you that (laughs) uh, I'm telling you that the the CEO's favorite things to do are um, golfing and swimming so talk to him about golfing and swimming but instead of saying this to Tilly I say actually you know what he absolutely hates politics talk to him about politics he hates when people talk about politics till he talked to him about politics it's really confusing but when when I looked into it it actually uh, is the beginning of the divide between God's people and the Egyptians and it's made prominent in just those couple of lines so if we think about um, God's people were meant to they we know that the Israelites that Jesus or the Messiah was going to come from that bloodline and so that bloodline was meant to be pure it was meant to not assimilate with the rest of the Egyptians or the rest of the world Um, and so this was a way of really causing that separation between them and then I started to think okay in our lives how does that apply to us Well, we're exactly the same. We are God's people. And as much as the world changes, God doesn't want us to ever assimilate to 
how things are in the world. And it's much probably even harder for you guys than it was for us at uni because everything that's coming through now and what's considered the norm and what you have to basically, what's pushed on you now is is really difficult. But it's that constant reminder that, no, as God's people, we are not meant to conform. We are not meant to turn around and say, oh, actually, we should be like them. We should become like them. Um, he wants us to know that we are different and we should be acting different. And we have to ask ourselves at uni and at work and with our friends outside of church, do they know that you're different? Do they know that you, on the weekend, spend your weekends very differently to them? Do they know Friday nights are youth meetings? Do they know that before you make decisions, you consult him and that you pray every night? And it's not boasting at all, but they should, you, you should be set apart enough for them to actually know all this about you. Um, and so it takes us to the third point, trusting in God's will because only he knows the greater plan. So imagine that he, like I said before, imagine that he told Jacob that this is going to take, this is many years of things and struggles and, you know, your people are going to become slaves and, and then after a long time I'm going to take them through, you know, the desert and all of that. Imagine he told him all of this. This, is, this would be too much for a human's mind to be able to, um, to understand. And it's the same with us. Jacob had to, he had to just follow by faith and we have to be the same in our lives where we say, you know, the, the very Egyptian saying, um, wait, I'm going to try and remember it. It's the most common Egyptian saying that the old ladies say, and it's, it's true according, if it's according to God's will. God willing, God willing, God willing. Because it's true. We want to say that, yes, yes, I want to you know, be there on Sunday or I want to be able to make it to this wedding, but only if God wills. And if we incorporate that, it's, it's very, in the beginning, it's... Um, it's almost going on autopilot and just saying it. Say, God, if it's according to your will. Sometimes our hearts don't really mean it where it's like, Ooh, but I want it to be and I want it to be your will. Um, but we just say, let it be according to your will. But after a while of saying it and realizing that um, actually God's will turns out very well overall. I mean, I remember the year above us when they went through the HSC, there were so many people that didn't get into the course that they wanted. Um, and then after the first two years of uni, when we were speaking to them, they were like, no, actually, we're exactly where we're meant to be. Every single one of them said, no, we know that we're, we're exactly where we're meant to be. So sometimes getting news or, or a decision's been made or something happens in our lives where it doesn't seem to align with what we initially wanted. If we say, God, I want it to be according to your will, as if it's not going to turn out to be the best thing in the world. It's, it's a father to a child. It's, it's like my son's coming up to me and saying, Mom, I want help with this decision. I'm not going to say, nah, I don't want to help you with this decision. You can work it out on your own. No, but if he's coming to me, I want to help him with that decision. I'm just waiting for him to come to me and ask me for help. Imagine that we're pleading with God. If my kids were like, please, mum, please, please help me with something. There's no way that God wouldn't help us with it. He just waits for us. And every time, you know, if, if 
I'm speaking to my son, he can either take my advice or he can ignore it. And we're the same. We can either sit and listen to his voice or we can completely ignore it. Um, and that's the whole chapter <laughs> and the extra bit <laughs> for chapter 47. Does anybody have any comments or anything that they want to share? This talk was brought to you by Upper Room Media. We hope that this talk has, through the grace of God, touched your heart. And we pray that it will not only inform you, but will also transform you and your life with Christ.